You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 160, covering Cardassians and Melora. Hi, friends. First, before anything else, yes, okay, I know, uh, Frank Langella was not in Darkman, so let's just get that out of the way right now. Mm. Two or three people have told me that. I'm sure more people who are catching up are going to tell me that. I was wrong, but we were not wrong to talk about Darkman. No. And that's why we will be talking about Darkman for the entirety of this episode. Um, now, yes. when I first started to enjoy Darkman... <laughs> How my Darkman summer vacation went. <laughs> Here are a good thing and a bad thing about Darkman. I'm sorry I couldn't find any bad things in Darkman. It's the perfect movie. Is it really? The, the bad thing about Darkman is that it does not in any way feature Frank Langella. It really does not. It's a, it's a different fishy-lipped guy who apparently will go on to play a, a packlet or something. Oh, good. Good for him. Voyager or something like a packlet. I don't know. I'll pack lead in voyager that'll be something to look I, forward i could to. be wrong about that there the, let's just let's just go with i could be wrong about most things <laughs> let's just blanket say that from now on forever i could be wrong about everything i on the other hand have never been wrong about anything ever nope nor have you deliberately uh manipulated the truth in any way mm -hmm. not at all why on earth would i do that what a horrible thing to do to people who trust me <laughs> Listen, if you trust us for anything, up to and including Darkman information. I don't have to explain anything to you viewers. All of the clues are laid out on the table. Like crumbs. Like crumbs. Okay, you called them viewers. All of the viewers <laughs> that look at their... Ri Shut up! <laughs> I will not. I've never been wrong about anything. Alright. I'm not going to start now. Well, you were right that one of these episodes is good and one was not good. It, we, yes, we that usually, did happen. We usually agree when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. and, and we did in this case. Yep. Why don't I first tell you about the good one, the one that is not very imaginatively titled Cardassians. So Dr. Bashir and Garrick, runners-up in the station's BFF competition, enjoy their usual lunch together when a Bajoran, a Cardassian kid, and uh, something, enters the <laughs> replimat. Garrick goes over to say what an attractive young boy they have, which is totally an okay thing to say about a 12-year-old boy in Cardassian culture, apparently. So the child does the only sensible thing and takes a big bite out of Garrick's hand. This sets off a whole interstellar incident as Gul Dukat calls up and is shocked, shocked, to discover that a Bajoran family has adopted a Cardassian war orphan as their own child. So Sisko, acting well within his capacity as guy who meddles with stuff like this, separates the Cardassian child from his Bajoran father and sends him to live with the O'Briens. Sure, if there's any Cardassian man or boy whose safety I want to protect, I'll be handing him right over to the guy who fought them in the war and can barely say the word Cardassian without spitting on the ground in disgust. Meanwhile, Dukat has located the boy's biological father in Cardassia, and the dude immediately comes to claim his boy. Only the boy thinks all Cardassians are butchers, and, well, he doesn't bite his dad, but he doesn't take kindly to him either. While all of this is happening, Garrick takes Bashir on a secret mission to Bajor, where they discover that all the records of the boy's adoption have been deleted. And since everyone knows what meticulous record keepers all Cardassians are, this is obviously this obviously implies a plot of some kind. Long story short, Dukat deliberately separated the boy from his father, a political rival, eight years before, and had him adopted by Bajorans, just so he would have leverage against him now. That Gul Dukat, always thinking ahead. 
<laughs> so Cisco rules that the boy should go home with his biological father, despite the fact that almost nobody actually wants this. Hooray for happy endings! I wish that all episodes of Star Trek were named after the aliens that featured heavily in them. Really? So Amok Time would have been called Vulcans. Right. And then, <clears throat> the uh, Enterprise incident would have been called Romulans. Right. And then uh, the, uh, the, the other Romulan episode would also be called Romulans? Yeah, it would also be called Romulans. It would simplify everything. Or could you just call it Romulans 2? No, no. Romulans. Oh, all right. What, Look, I'm a meticulous record keeper, okay? Like all Cardassians. Like all Cardassians. Let's not be racist now. <clears throat> Is it racist when you say a good thing about them? I Maybe? I've never been clear on that on Earth, much less with aliens. No. It's better to just to steer clear of the whole thing, except this show wants us to keep talking about it. Yeah. It's weird, because I was thinking about this, and I was like, is there anything that humans are that all humans are? Well, no. It's like, nope. Not really. So why should all Cardassians be meticulous record keepers? All of them are, Matt. Every single one. It, uh, you know, just like all Asians are good at math. Now, see, mm -hmm. that's racist. That is totally yeah. racist. You should not say that. Even though it's a, it's a compliment, it's still like, no, you can't generalize like that. Not all one people do anything. You're right. But on Star it Trek, is... it's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine to do that. All Ferengi are greedy. All Klingons are warrior, like mm -hmm. jerks, you know. What do you call bullies? Bullies is yep. the word I was looking for, not yeah, warrior jerks. Warrior jerks. I'll actually like that better than bullies. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, fair enough. My kid was warrior jerked at elementary school today. <laughs> We've passed some serious warrior, anti-warrior jerk uh, legislation to make sure Let's that never happens Let's make warrior jerking kill itself. Right. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a, a bit where um, the Cardassian uh, dad shows up. And he's like, uh, well, I don't know what human customs are like. Well, that's... You guys probably don't like uh, family or something, but in uh, on Cardassia, yeah. where Cardassians live... Yeah, all of us do this. All of us be like this. And all you humans, you be like this. And, and O'Brien totally speaks for all humans. When he says, where did you find a brick wall on, to stand in front of on this station? <laughs> oh, there's all kinds of hidden nooks and crannies there. Mm-hmm. All of which have a have an edge in front of them, so you can't wheel a cart over them. Oh, we'll get we'll get to that soon enough. A, a, a trolley, a trolley mm -hmm. cart, a trolley cart. Is that what she called it? It is what she called it. I, we're we're wasting the only two or three funny things to say about Melora. Oh God! All right, we'll get there. Why don't you tell me your good thing about Cardassians? Okay, so I really enjoyed Chief O'Brien and his relationship with this uh, with this Rugal kid in the brief time that they're together. Now, the Chief clearly can't stand the sight of this kid. Like, as soon as he walks into his quarters and the kid's sitting on his couch playing a Game Boy, he's just like, oh. Keiko, what did you bring home? He can't believe that he has to sit here and eat Cardassian shit with this Cardassian kid. And then he has to pair it off the whole, oh, I don't hate all Cardassians, because he knows that's what he's supposed to do. But he still ends up liking the kid, you know? See, this is what I love about DS9. We're, we haven't, we, it's not that we haven't evolved beyond the, beyond the need for racism, because you can't. That's just not human nature. You know, Chief O'Brien's just a guy. That's what we love about him. That's the great thing about this character. You know, he's got flaws, and he's wrong about stuff. But, you know, he's tr he, he puts on a front of being better, and he you know, tries to live up to that front. Well, and that's the thing Gene said when they made Star Trek VI. He was very angry that they were doing the story about the fact that the whole crew was anti-Klingon racist. And yeah. they had to gradually learn that that was foolish and they were wrong. 
Yeah. And to me, that's that's part of what Star Trek is about is learning that your, you know, your prejudices are, are misguided and, and things aren't that black and white. And, you know, maybe yeah. the enemy isn't the enemy. That's what uh, that's what duet was. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's one thing in Star Trek to say racism is bad and we don't have it anymore. Yeah. But it's another thing to do episodes like this where we show, like, yeah, racism is bad. Everyone knows that. But I still have these horrible human tendencies to judge someone who's yeah. not like me differently, and I should be yeah. forced to challenge that. You recognize them, and you try and get over them. Right. And like I said, episodes like Duet, where Kira has to realize, wait a minute, all Clardessians are not jerks. And in this yeah. one, O'Brien's like, shit, this is just a kid, man. This This sucks for him. And also, we hate the same stew, so we have that in common. Yeah, there's a there's a little moment where O'Brien pushes the bowl away, the kid pushes the bowl away, and the bowl sort of touch in the middle of the table, and it's it's totally meant to be like a little bonding thing. Yep. Like you hate Cardassians too. Fucking fucking Keiko, by the way. <laughs> yeah, doesn't know anything about this kid at all, despite the fact that he's been in school with her all day. Yep. It's, it's... so this kid's staying with them. Yeah. O'Brien gets home from work. And Keiko's putting dinner together, which, you know, replicator. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, oh, I I fixed us a Cardassian stew, you know, so that Rugal, a Cardassian, can enjoy it. Isn't that something you'd enjoy, Rugal? And the, despite the fact that this kid's main thing, the thing that's really in, in uh, you know, the big controversy right now, is that he's been raised by Bajorans for the last eight years and he yep. doesn't want to leave them. Make the kid some fucking Hasperat, some, uh, some, yeah. some briny burritos. I totally thought you were going to say make the kids some hash browns. Yes, hash browns. That... Which, by the way, you should, because hash browns are delicious. Now, do you mean hash browns or do you mean home fries? Uh, which one of the home fries? I was never clear on that. It depends. Different restaurants and different regions have different definitions. It's, it's I know I like, confusing. I know I like diced fried potatoes. Yes, I like those, but then there's also sort of the shredded potatoes that are browned on one side. Yeah, those are good, too. Yes. But see, Basically, if I order hash browns at a restaurant, I'll probably be happy. They'll give you some form of potato that's been fried in some way. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. But no, hasperat is a briny burrito. We've established that. Yes. Because it <laughs> needs more brine. That was in the... One of you the... gotta brine your burrito some more. Yeah. Boy, that sounds dirty. Yeah, I don't think I want to eat lunch on Bejor. No. No, I don't. I mean, you know, I don't know what else they eat. Presumably, they're they're rebuilding, and they don't actually have a lot of food right now. But uh, yep, they don't like field rations either. No, yeah. I imagine they eat a lot of vegetarian. Yeah, they seem like a race of people who would eat vegetarian. Really, and nothing else. They seem like wusses to you. Yeah, that was for my wife, by the way. <laughs> uh, my good. It's okay, thing. you can say that she's out of the country right now. Yeah, but not by the time she hears this. Oh shit! Yeah, exactly. I'll just edit that right out. <laughs> uh, my good thing was Garrick. We talked about how much we loved him in his first appearance, even though he didn't do very much because we were sort of remembering later Garrick. Yep. This is the first look at the Garrick that we love, the sort of duplicitous, leading Bashir by the nose, kind of like, I can't give you the answer, but if I point you in this direction, you know, maybe you'll figure it out for yourself kind of thing. Also, uh, kind of creepy Garrick. Well... He was that from the beginning. To like, uh... We saw him introduce himself to, to Bashir and just sit down and have lunch with him, and that was a little creepy. Yep. But, um... Like, the, he very... Go ahead. <laughs> the, the way he... Like, you t you mentioned it briefly in your summary, but he just sort of walks up to, uh, this kid and, uh, 
So that's a very he's handsome dead. boy you have he's got there. Got a very handsome boy here. Yeah, if I walked up and to put his hand on his shoulder, I'm like, yeah, I'd bite you too. Yeah, if I walked up to a 12 year old boy, put my hand on his shoulder, and said, "You're a very handsome boy," uh -huh. as a nearly 40 year old man, I probably wouldn't be regarded very well. <laughs> Imagine how it would look to the neighbors. Yes. There's a there's a thread running. Honestly, through. I think Garrick got off light with a bitten hand and not, you know, a jail term. Right. Well, he's already. Uh, well, never mind. Never mind. We don't. Or at the very least, having to introduce himself to everyone on the station. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Garrick. I'm a simple tailor. What else? Oh. <laughs> right. That. <laughs> there's a there's a thread running through the whole episode, and and we got a bit of this last time where he's clearly leading Bashir somewhere, mm -hmm. and Bashir doesn't know where yet. And he just knows that he should... There's something he's supposed to be looking at here. And there's two or three scenes. One of them is my quote, which I'll, I'll go ahead and play here. Yeah. He's lying. Is that an opinion? Or do you have evidence to support it? I have Garak. Garak. He seems to think there's more going on here than we realize. What exactly does he think is going on? I'm not sure. He doesn't actually tell me what he really thinks. I, I sort of have to deduce it. So, you deduced that Garrick thinks Ducard is lying about something you're not sure of, and you proceeded to interrupt my conversation to confront him about whatever that might be. I'm sorry, Commander. It, it just seemed an opportune... Don't apologize. It's been the high point of my day. Don't do it again. Which is just delightful. But there's a few times where he's where he, uh, Bashir's put in that situation with Cisco, where he's like, "Well, Garrick said so." Well, yeah. So there's a oh, did Garrick say that? There's a there's a bit where I, that I almost used as my quote, where he comes and wakes Cisco up. He says, "I need a runabout. What for?" Well, Garrick says, "I need one." Oh, really? Will one runabout be enough? <laughs> Cisco and and the looks that he gives him, yep. just the the rolled eyes and the glares, like. Ugh. Ugh. Really? What What now? Dr. Bashir is not currently very popular on Deep Space Nine. Well, with Cisco anyway. I don't really see it much with the rest of them now. Well, uh, uh, Dax seems to think he's quite adorable. Right. And the look, there, there's this, the scene in your quote when, uh, when uh, Bashir interrupts uh, Cisco's conversation with Gul Dukat to Mm -hmm. uh, quiz him on a bunch of stuff. After that finishes up, Kira gives him this a look that this look that's just like, oh man, you pissed off Gul Dukat. Yeah, what are you gonna what are you gonna go and do that for? That's my job. Uh, it's it's a fantastic thing, and it's it's one of those nice little details where they they rarely come out and say Cisco doesn't like Bashir, mm -hmm. but it comes up in a lot of episodes where Bashir just sort of talks before he should really like before he thinks. Yep, and Cisco's just like. Ugh. It's just, it's that sort of like the fact that Bashir, despite being the smartest guy in the room, kind of an idiot. Yep. Well, he's he's not good with people. It's that whole no. like uh, like um, engineer uh, cliche, which mm. oddly enough, the engineer is the most down to earth guy there is. Yeah. But typically, the the engineer is the guy who's you know incredibly smart and can't relate to people. You know, like Dilbert. Mm -hmm. Bashir's like Dilbert. Well, you ha I haven't had to think about Dilbert in a long time. Well, because when you think about Dilbert, then you got to think about Scott Adams being a dick. That's just the problem. Yeah. but I Thanks a lot, Scott Adams. Dick. You dick. 
Still, nothing funnier than the TTP project. You gotta give him that. That's true. That's that's still one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> but uh, Bashir, tip, you know, he's he's that typical type of character, that that genius who has a hard time like realizing, and at the same time, he's still charming, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Like he has a hard time perceiving what's acceptable to his commander, but he can charm the pants off a lady. Oh yeah. Well, most ladies. Some ladies. Not, not all the ladies. No. Not Dax. Not yet, anyway. No, I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'm. No, no. I'm not saying he does. I'm saying he's working on it. Well, okay. I'm not. I'm not laying too big a spoiler on the listeners when I say he never. He never gets into Dax's pants. The, the Dax pants. Yes, the pants of Dax. Jud, <laughs> Judzia pants. <laughs> uh, so, what was your bad thing? What was my bad thing? Um. Yeah, so, uh, damn, the, uh, that alien businessman who, uh, brings Rugal and his dad aboard, that dude is ugly. Oh, yeah, in my summary, I, I said a, a Bajoran, a Kardashian kid, and, uh, something. Um, where to start? He looks a bit like a Tellarite, I suppose? So, I mean, kind of? In that fat, sort of, piggy-nosed, kind of, just like, here's an alien who's a fat, bald guy. He's got, well, okay, he's got, like, almost a Larry Fine haircut. Right. With the worst, most unconvincing comb-over I've ever seen. Yeah, but also the top of his head is covered in tiny diamond points. That's true. And then moving down, we have head boobs. Yeah, he's got the he's got the butt head. He's got the forehead that looks like butt or boobs, depending yeah, on that. Yeah, and then, like, a, like, a, like a sphincter nose thing. Mm-hmm. And... Then we move down to the uh, the jacket made of cell phones. It appears to be covered in cell phones. Yep. Which it's his amazing Technicolor cell coat. Which you know, in 1994, I guess season two would have been is uh, pretty pretty prescient, I suppose, because mm-hmm. cell phones were you know the size of a house at that point. Yeah, I mean they certainly didn't look like uh, like that. Right. But uh, yeah, jacket full of cell made of cell phones. And then there's this terrifying little alien that accompanies him at the Dabo table. Oh my god, I forgot about this guy. This creepy little crouching thing that he like leans over and hugs. Yes, I love you, horrible little monster. <laughs> he looks like if if you're if you're uh, uh, familiar at all with with Strong Bad with the Home Star Runner, he looks like the little thing that gives you the jiblies. Come on in here. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not, well, you should be. That's all Just because they're dead doesn't mean you can't go look at them. Right. I mean, you know, Deep Space Nine's been off the air since what, like '99, and we're yeah, you know, we're still watching. We it. made a show about it. Right. Well, we made a show partially about it. Yes. But all the others as well. Um, my bad thing. Okay, we've established since the original series when Kirk uh, changed himself into a Romulan to go under undercover that uh, the, the, this world has the technology to uh, to surgically alter people to look like aliens, to look like different races. You're going to let this kid live on Bajor as a Cardassian and by his own admission be taunted and tormented by all the Bajoran kids and like teachers mm-hmm. and everybody else because he's a Cardassian and they, you know, they hate them. Rightfully, they hate them. But yep. still, you, you can't just make this kid look like a Bajoran. He's clearly a Bajoran in his heart. He's, yep. he's, he's wearing the earring. He thinks of himself as a Bajoran, but he hates himself. Mm-hmm. You can't just make him a Bajoran. It feels like it would solve a lot of problems. It would. And this is one of those episodes where I, I struggled to find a bad thing. And this isn't, this is really sort of stretching it. Mm. Because I'm I'm kind of applying other episode logic to this one. 
But that's really all I could come up with. This is a great episode. Yeah, it is. And unsurprising because the Cardassians pretty much hit the ground running on the show, I would say. Like as a Yeah, no, they're they such such a great race of villain sort of kind of I, more started off and then more became... villains than not we yeah villains with the occasional i mean you know we again we can't do the racist like broad all no, of them are villain thing but they were brought on to tng to be the new bad guys right and i i often refer to them as romulans 2.0 yeah because they are very much in the mold of what the romulans are meant to be they're they're you know you can't trust them they're very slimy they're mm-hmm. all about the politics and the manipulation and that's very much like more than the romulans i think ever were mm-hmm. what they are and and that's what i like about them and we never had like we had tomalak i guess but that's it like we never had a standout romulan character that like garrick like Guldukat, that really felt slimy like oh that guy <laughs> you know what i mean like you, you don't have any Romulans like that. And I think that was the big failing was they never really had us bond with a, with, with a, any characters that felt so lovable and hateable at the same time. Yeah. Like, like Garrick, like Gul Dukat. Yeah. Um, I believe there'll be other characters coming up. Oh, there are. But, um, yeah, that so that was always my big problem with the Romulans. Like, that's why I always wanted Tomalak to be a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, a Romulan. Now show him doing Romulan shit. Wait, where'd he go? Where, where are you going? Come back. Oh, hello, Sayla. Uh, I hate Sayla. Well, here's the nice thing. As far as I know, we don't have to see Sayla again. Nope. I was I was reading somewhere, apparently, and apparently this was a few years ago now, uh, Denise Crosby played uh, Tasha Yar's grandmother in an episode of that uh, the fan-made uh, Star Trek Phase 2. Damn it! Denise Crosby, you had your chance. And the thing is, this this phase two, we've talked about it. It's not terrible. It's for fan made stuff. It's quite good. And they've gotten, uh, I believe, Takei and Koenig. Yeah. I think they got Nichelle Nichols, like some of the lesser, you know, like the the lower tier guys. Let's be honest. It's not hard to get Koenig. Well, that's true. But I mean, Takei, you know, mm-hmm. he's a he's a Facebook celebrity. I I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, he still works. He does. I know he does voice stuff quite a lot because he's got a yep. very distinctive voice. And uh, he was uh, he was on Heroes a couple of years ago. Yeah, and he was um, he he does a voice on uh, Adventure Time. I know. Yep. And Ricardo the Heart Guy. Right. Um, but uh, the 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 fan made thing, you know, is from what I hear, is not bad. And they got some writers from the old series, and like you know, it's 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 pretty okay. I've only seen a bit mm. of it, but even they should know. Okay, enough, Denise Crosby. Go home. Yeah. Go home. You're drunk. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. I was Tasha Yar. I was Tasha Yar. Yeah, for like 18 episodes. Mm-hmm. Then you, you quit. Big quit. <laughs> anyway, we, Sailor will never hurt us again, Matt. It's okay. Ugh. You know, in the book, she's king of the Romulans now. Now, like post... um. Like, whatever's happening currently in... That's what uh, I mean, like, tri- post-Nemesis? Yeah. Like, uh, post... Uh, do they Are they dealing with, like, the the the, um, the stuff that happens after Romulus gets destroyed and Nero goes back in time? Not yet, no. Okay, because I figure that's sort of the end of the timeline. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it, it would be a little weird and maybe a little confusing to continue things, you know, when that's when our guys went back and sort of changed and started things over again. Yeah. Now, the nice thing with... Uh, with that is that they keep it super vague about when he actually when Spock actually uh, leaves. Oh, that's good. Well, he says like seventy five years or something like that. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, 
That doesn't mean anything. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here yeah. about this episode? Let's see. There's a, there's a lot of great face acting. I, I mentioned uh, uh, Cisco already mm-hmm. rolling his eyes and glaring at, at Bashir. But there's a lot of like, okay, Dukat shows up. And he's like, okay, let's let's get this orphan thing on the road here. Because I got this evil plan and I want to make sure everything goes right. And uh, Garrick and Bashir show up to sort of blow the lid off it. And the way the, 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 the shot is framed, Dukat's in the foreground... Garrick's in the background. So you see Dukat reacting to stuff, and then you see Garrick reacting to that. And he's yeah. got this great grin, this great yeah, sort just... of right into my... Like, we, we got oh. you, man. We got oh, you. Oh, fuck you, Dukat. And we got... We, at the beginning, they talk about... And, and you know they're probably being sarcastic or they're probably lying, but he says, my old friend Dukat, my old friend uh-huh. Garrick. But this episode makes it very clear these guys are not friends. They don't like each other at all. No. And, and two shades of similar character, two shades of very, you can't trust anything that comes out of their mouth kind of characters. Mm-hmm. But one of them's very sort of tough and one of them's very sort of more sneaky. Yeah. And I like that. I like I like these two. I like. I, I hope they go into it more. And as I recall, they do. Yes. I will be looking forward to that. Like, we want to know why they don't like each other, but more than that, I just, I like the chemistry. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that they had any lines directly against each other, but it's just the chemistry, like the face acting and the the little gestures and the little, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. That I really liked. I believe this was also the first time that Ducat and Cisco look at each other face to face. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen Ducat in person, I think. I, I was... Every re- other time we've seen him, he's been on a view screen. Yeah, because he doesn't work there anymore. No. He's he's back on Cardassia or whatever, and he's sort of their liaison. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Garrick gets bitten, and Dukat immediately finds out. Like, it takes Bashir time enough to take Garrick to the infirmary, then to walk to Ops. Yeah, about 20 minutes. Yeah, and and, and Cisco's already got a phone call. Mm-hmm. How, how, like, I, who's he got spying for him? I'm betting there's quite there's a I'm betting there's quite a few spies on uh, on DS9, and I'm sure there's one keeping an eye on Garrick. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Although- and I'm sure that one spy is all like, Garrick got bit. Oh man, Golducott's one gonna want to know about He's this. He's gonna love this. And you know what? Golducott did want to know about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Ducat the whole time is like the children. We must think about the children. What about the children, Commander? My only real goal here is, of course, the children. And then, of course, we find out that's nothing of the kind, which is no surprise. My only real goal here is to, you know, do what I always do. I think one of the things I like about this show that that's better than than Next Gen, definitely, is when we get sort of a complicated plot like this, when we get someone sort of plotting two or three steps ahead. Right. It seems like a real plan. Mm-hmm. Like this thing that he does really feels like a clever thing someone could do to to fuck over their enemies. You're like, yeah, he's got to think really far ahead. He did it like eight years ago, but you know what I mean. Like it feels, it doesn't feel stupid and contrived. Like oh, we came up with a stupid ending, you know. To, to no, to I totally buy together. that kind of shit from Gold Ducat and most Cardassians, frankly. But do you understand what I mean? Where we have we, we've had episodes of Next Gen where. There's a plot where there's a yeah yeah and plot. It, it, he's been he's been like do he's been getting ready for this for like ten years well, like like um no I guess Nemesis would be a bad example because we actually didn't hate the fact that they had this Picard clone that ended up going nowhere yeah but there there are other things like that where I plotted and schemed for years and like really that doesn't make any sense no this actually like if you look at it it actually makes sense 
Yeah. And it, I don't know. The Cardassians, that's one of the things that makes them so great is they feel clever. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like they really do some... Like, they they do the... um. Like they 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 do the whole like uh, uh, espionage thing really well. Yeah, and it's a lot of show don't tell. Yeah. Instead of telling us that they're sneaky, they actually show them doing sneaky stuff, mm-hmm. and it's it's way more effective, I think. Uh, what else? We got Bashir saying Cardassians a lot. Cardassians. Oh, the, the scene where um where uh Bashir wakes up in his quarters and Garrett's <laughs> just standing over him. Come on, we gotta go. What? And Bashir doesn't even seem like I'm. I'm. I've made that line up. He's actually like, go where? Like he's he's not surprised to see him. This is not the first time uh, Garrick has just appeared in uh, Bashir's quarters. Or, or if it is at four in the morning. Or if it is, Bashir just sort of expects it. Yep. Which is either way, a little strange. <laughs> oh, Garrick, well, is it lunch already? You picked the new lock that I bought. Like he keeps buying more yep. elaborate locks. And he just keeps picking them and letting himself in. Oh, this? This is just my, my tailor's lock pick that I used to get in here. Doctor, the day that you find a lock I can't pick is the day I let you keep your mail. <laughs> What's that from? It's not from anything. I just like the idea of Garrick stealing Bashir's mail for no reason. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I got a note here, and now I'm on Keiko's side again. God damn it, show filled with gray area. God damn it. Because, yeah, she's like, Miles, you're being an ugly racist. Stop it. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to make a dish I know this kid hates. Well, yeah, she, you know, her heart's in the right place. You, Is it? You gotta give her that. If you'd taken five seconds... I, I didn't to find out what this kid's deal is after spending the day with him, after admitting you spent the day with him. Her brain is not in the right place, but her heart is in the right place. Right. She's trying to do something what she thinks is nice. And it ain't. Uh, at all. Because she doesn't pay attention. pizza. Well, yeah. Ordered, like, you can't get pizza through the replicator? You have to actually order pizza? pizza through the replicator, but it's way better to just order it from downstairs. Downstairs. Yeah, downstairs on the promenade. I mean, there actually is a downstairs on Deep Space Nine. I get that. But, uh, mm-hmm. like, who do you think that Klingon restaurant has pizza? Or do you think there's, like, oh a special God, pizza? I hope so. Place? I hope so, so much. Again, I'm spoiling one of the only good things about uh, about Melora. We'll get back to that. I'm, I'm just trying to think if there'd be, like, a normal, like, a I don't know, a Sabaros or a Pizza Hut or something let's, on let's the promenade. Let's know that there's a, we know there's a bunch of uh, restaurants on the promenade. Sure, but there's... I'm sure that they deliver. Yeah, okay, but is there pizza? Is there pizza yeah. in the future is what I'm asking. We've never seen evidence of this. There's no way that there's not pizza in the future. Too many people like pizza. I don't know. When uh, In Star Trek Four, when uh, Kirk's having dinner with the, the whale biologist and she orders pizza, he, he kind of, I don't think he knows what it is. Oh, man. That's dumb. I could be wrong about that. Like, I could be, I could be remembering that wrong. But it's, it, you know. I mean, they do get Italian because Spock loves Italian. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Um, so- the um, no, it's, it's she orders. What is it? She orders a large pizza and a beer, and he says, "Yes, me too." So that implies that he doesn't know how pizza works. Ugh. That's what it is, because he orders himself a large pizza. Well, I mean, look at Shatner. Oh, that's true. Maybe he just wanted a large pizza. Well, you know, I would, I would, uh, I would criticize the guy, but uh, you know, glass houses, man. Mm. I got a large pizza waiting for me as we speak. Oh, man, that sounds really good. The whole thing. 
Did we mention I'm by myself this weekend? <laughs> I'm going to podcast, and then I'm going to eat this pizza. Yep, that's my weekend. Um, I have a note here. Bashir even sleeps a, like a bit of a dandy. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I'm surprised he wasn't wearing one of those pointy nightcaps. I was really... <laughs> He's got striped pajamas. <laughs> Not the what? not the gym jams like like Picard, but like the full you know full length pajamas, embroidered with uh, J B on the side. <laughs> J whatever his middle initial is. He B. must have a middle name. Sure, it's like Worthington. It looks exactly like the guy who has a middle name, like Worthington or something. Yeah, something very English. Julian Worthington Bashir. Right. Julian Willikins Bashir. <laughs> no, he's totally Nick. <laughs> Ooh, delay, Commander. Are you still on the phone? Commander, I want to talk to Gal Ducat. Dad, are you on the phone? Dad, 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 are you on the phone? Dad! Hello! Cooey! There's a, there's a, there's a great line when uh, they're down on Bajor. Um, uh, Bashir and uh, uh, Garrick uh, researching the, the, the orphan records. Mm. And the, the, the caretaker of the orphanage says... Uh, well, I don't know. I wasn't here eight years ago. I was in the underground. And uh, Greg just says, really, maybe we've met. <laughs> just utterly delightful. I love Garrick. Such a prick. Perhaps we have met. <laughs> He's also going to kill each other. He also has a great just, I, I thought, sort of a badass line when they're going back to, uh, to the station. And he goes, uh, I believe in coincidences. Coincidences happen every day, but I don't trust them. I don't know. Just, yeah. Something about that just was very Garrick to me. Yeah, that's that's cool. I like that would have been my quote for the episode, actually. Really? Yep. Not all the uh, all the Cisco berating. No, much as I like that. Fair enough. Um, I do like that quite a bit. Yes. No, that's a, that's a great dynamic. And for an episode where Cisco is just sort of the guy in the middle. Medi yeah. mediating all the other stuff that happens it, it certainly gives Avery Brooks more to do than just sort of come in and read his lines like he's got some mm. some nice uh, some nice emotional stuff to, to go on there yeah. get to see his jammies too by the way do we? oh so we do and his house coat <laughs> he, we, we don't get to see his little bunny slippers though no alas or I assume triple slippers I assume they all well, have triple slippers in the future I would love to see someone in Star Trek with a set of triple slippers. Because you know it's something that they make in that universe. Out of tribbles. Yes. I mean, it's not like there's a, you know, there's a lack of tribbles around to do that with. Oh, yeah. The horrible, uh, <laughs> the endangered tribble species. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I have. I what think about you? It's everything I wanted to hit on. Just a fantastic episode. Great, yeah. uh, you know, great, like, Cardassian espionage type stuff. Mm-hmm. And political and I mean, stuff. And... It's also basically a custody battle episode, so you know. It is. We we covered nice little, like small little episode. Well, they they covered similar ground on uh, Next Gen with that episode where the kid was adopted by aliens and then they found his real family, but they did that very differently. That yeah, but that, that one they get they took the easy way out. They did, but they on the other hand, share custody of him. On the other hand, that was a good episode. Like I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to keep coming off like, oh, DS9 is so great and Next Gen is is crap because that's not how I feel. But no. I do feel like this show improved in a lot of ways. Like Next Gen had the unfortunate uh, situation of starting in the '80s, having to basically start all over, mm. and DS9 was able to build on all the mistakes that they made. So that they wouldn't make the same, you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't, like, pr they probably looked at, at Troy and Crusher and said, Jesus, no. And they made Kira and Dax. No. 
like that that's the kind of thing i mean like they they're able to to play on six years of next gen and and, and build on that so mm-hmm. in some ways they're just going to be better but in this case no both both episodes were quite good just in different ways yeah and like i said in my summary almost nobody is happy with the arrangement that they come to mm-hmm. the kid doesn't want to do it the bajoran parents don't want to do it the uh cardassian father wants to want his kid but uh but not this kid no. Not the one who thinks he's a Bajoran and absolutely hates his father and completely, you know. I mean, and like, here's the thing. Even though he's getting his son back and they're covering up the whole, uh, he lost the kid, which is apparently a huge political deal on uh, Cardassia. Mm-hmm. He's got basically a Bajoran son. Yeah. That's not going to go over too well in the Cardassian newspapers. No, he's, he's, he's wearing an earring. Yeah. And I'm sure he wants to just rip the thing right out of his ear, but he can't do that. So yeah, that's uh, that's got to be rough. So yeah, nobody's happy. That's how Cisco sort of takes the approach of uh, you know, well, I'm a mediator. I guess <laughs> chop the baby in half. Yep. Here, I hope you like diced baby. Yep. That's the only way to satisfy no one. <laughs> so good luck with that. There. Now no one's happy. Just like me. <laughs> Did I tell you my wife's dead? I know it hasn't come up in a while. <laughs> I'm not happy. Uh, and I'm mad at you, Doctor Bashir. <laughs> Um, your, your last, uh, note here says just fuck already. Yeah. In caps. It's, uh, that's referring to Bashir and Garrick, who are flirting like nobody's business. They are. I know, I know Andrew Robinson has come out and said that he played Garrick as gay. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, one, if, uh, Siddig El-Fadil knew that, and if he did, if he played it back. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm curious to know... If if he was oblivious to that, or if he tried to play off of it, or what. But there's definitely some kind of chemistry there. I mean, I like the idea that Garrick is hitting on Bashir, and Bashir is just completely oblivious to it. Yeah, that would that would that's be a very Doctor Bashir. Uh, it is that, and while I would like to believe that there are gay people in Star Trek, we we won't get into this whole thing again. But I'd like to believe there are. I don't believe Bashir is. I believe Bashir is probably 100 percent hetero. Mm. Just. Because, because that's how he sees himself. Yeah. Because he's so into getting the ladies that that's. I mean, that's it yeah. You know, I mean, he might he might deep down, you know, secretly want to you know have lovey kisses with Garrick. Well, who wouldn't look at him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen him out of the makeup. I don't know. Nah. But I guess on the show, it's not like he's going to peel the makeup off. So no, that would sort of violate the whole uh, idea that he's a Cardassian. I was a fake Cardassian the whole time. Well, actually, that would probably be in character. <laughs> didn't see that one coming, did you, Doctor? The crumbs were all there. Why didn't you put the pieces together? <laughs> he just looks at the table, spelt out in bread breadcrumbs. Is I am a human. <laughs> all right. Well, well, how did I miss this? Damn it! I'm so stupid. Embarrassing. All right, we're well past the halfway point, and we still got to talk about Melora. Oh, fine. Come on. All right, so Melora. DS9 is all aflutter with news of its new cartographer arriving. It's Melora. Last name is in the title of the episode. uh, Excuse me. It's Melora. Last name isn't in the title of the episode, so I didn't bother to learn it, and I can't be bothered to look it up right now. An Elysian from a world with low gravity, which means she can't walk, so she gets slapped in a wheelchair or trolley cart. (laughs) She calls it that. So if you like an angry woman being a jerk to people for A, trying to help, or B, doing their job the way they normally do, strap in because you are in for an exciting time. 
Meanwhile, some tall alien from one of the crime planets, you know the ones, they're always tall, threatening guys with busy hair and weird faces. Star Trek uses them for hench villains. Has arrived on the station and tells Quark to his face that he plans to kill him later, which is just about the dumbest way possible for you to kill somebody, but whatever, I'm here to summarize Star Trek, not give aliens murder tips. Back in sickbay, Julian's got the hots from Allure, and, and after repeatedly telling her that he's not really interested in her complaining, takes her on a date to a new Klingon restaurant on the promenade, featuring my favorite Klingon ever. And after a hot date in her quarters, where Jules and Melora do some quick wire foo, Julian begins working on a cure for Melora's not walkingness. Meanwhile, Quark takes part in a long-running truck tradition of having soup thrown at him. And then, Crime Alien kidnaps Quark, Dax, and Melora, and takes them to the Gamma Quadrant. Melora turns off the gravity and, Superman crime <clears throat> and Superman's Crime Alien in the chest, and the day is saved. Afterwards, Melora decides that she doesn't walk want to walk after all, and dumps Julian like dirty laundry. Okay, here's here's a, a tough situation that we're in. Mm. We hate this disabled character. Yeah. Which makes me feel like a jerk because they call such attention to the fact that she's disabled. That's the that's the problem, is that she spends the entire first half of this episode just I don't need your help or anyone's help. I don't need anyone. Yeah. And like she's also way out of line, by the way. Yeah, she's an ensign. Yeah, and she keeps like like questioning all the stuff that Cisco wants to do, like send someone with her to the Gamma Quadrant. No, by all means, you're right out of the academy. You can just take one of our our ships and go to this unexplored part of the galaxy and chart it. That's totally fine. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't need your help. Yeah, you know, we're not ask. We're not giving you help. We're giving you a job to do. Yeah, you're in Starfleet, and we work together. No, I work alone. No, we work together. Yeah. That's how Starfleet works. Yeah, that's why it's a fleet and not a bunch of dudes all by themselves. Right. It's not an army of one. That was stupid. Yeah. It was a stupid idea. <laughs> they they really, I mean, and apparently she was written or at least co-written. There were like 30 writers' names on the script. Yep. But uh, at least co-written by a disabled writer. So you'd think that they'd want to make her sympathetic, you know, do that Star Trek thing where they make us realize, oh, God, I I didn't think I was, you know, uh, uh, discriminating, but I guess I guess there's still a little of that in me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, but no one in this episode is discriminating against her. No, everyone's trying to be nice and trying not to be condescending also. And trying to, like, do the thing, like, do the stuff she's telling them to do. Right. Which, the But, I mean, like, she just is always trying to pick fights with people, and it's I get that they're trying to do that to sort of show her evolution as, like, you know, Bashir makes her a better person and stuff, but it's just really irritating, and it completely overshadows any of the changes that she makes at the end of the episode. Yeah, it totally does. I, I will give Bashir credit, though. Mm. He doesn't take any of her shit at all. No, which is awesome. And we're starting to see Bashir, between the last episode with Garrick and this one, starting to see him grow a pair. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, he's still sort of the young, naive guy who who speaks before he thinks sometimes, but he all he doesn't feel like quite so much as a coward as I saw him as before. Yeah, I, a coward's not exactly the right word because he did try to save Dax that one time and immediately got knocked on his ass. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean, like sort of the. It's not that he's a coward; he's just kind of a puss. Yeah, but he's he's getting better. Mm -hmm. Like I say, between calling Garrick out on some of his stuff and really trying to say, "No, what do you what do you mean? What are you talking yeah. about?" And like you're you're being all standoffish to people. Like you're not right. 
and no one's impressed and and then in this episode where there's a there's a great exchange between uh him and her like he's like well no i'm not here as your doctor i'm here to ask you out to dinner she's like oh what and we'll go dancing after that he's like, he's like oh yeah but his he's got this great line and uh, and the actor sells it really well he goes red alert yeah where it's sort of sarcastic but also sort of charming at the same yeah. time and I like that. I like that we see charming Julian here. He's not just sort of fumbling over women. That was the other thing. No, I. The, that's the thing I like about about Julian. It's this weird combination of uh, being like this. He's like he's he's a huge dork who doesn't say the right things, but he's also he's very he's very good around women. I feel like that's his comfort zone. Yeah, I feel like doing surgery and picking up women are the places where he's <laughs> totally just like in his in the zone. Yeah. In the zone, <laughs> it's it's dealing with everyone else that's the problem. Yeah, it's doing well. I think it's all the military stuff. Yeah, I think that's where he really just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Because when you think of a character like that, and then you think of him in sort of a military context, you can see that he would have trouble taking orders, saying yes, sir, mm-hmm. doing stuff in that very rigid way. I don't, I don't understand how all this uh, military stuff works. And the thing is, yeah, I'll salute you now or later. <laughs> he is a doctor, but he's also just a lieutenant. Yes, like he's he's very low ranked. He's he's equally ranked with Dax and and lower than just about everyone else. Mm-hmm. Although because of the way officers and enlisted work, he does outrank uh, O'Brien, which yep. which is a nice dynamic from time. You to time. can call me Sir or Julian or Doctor. Hang on, I've got a list of what you can call me. <laughs> I've got a list of my own actually. <laughs> Cardi, that's not even fair. <laughs> I'm not a Cardi. Sorry, I just call everyone that. Everyone I don't like. We're from the colonies, you and I. <laughs> but there's a there's a there's a, a nice little bit where uh, where he comes up. He's like, I've I've taught Melora to walk. Look at this. No, it's oh, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I know. He's very he's very sort of you know. The yeah. research was all there. I just connected the dots. It was really easy. And uh, O'Brien's is like, well, you'll you'll make the uh, you'll make the medical journals for this. And he just oh. Oh, you. <laughs> I don't do it for the medical journals. I'll it. do it to get my dick wet. <laughs> oh, don't say dick in the Nick voice, please. <laughs> dick and Willikins. Very unsettling. There's <laughs> a sexless character, Matt, that we created. I'm going down to my quarters to have sex. Yeah. Sexual relations. Yeah. I'm going down to the bum paddle course. <laughs> There is, there is a, I mean, it's not a sex scene. It's a, they start making out and cut to commercial scene. Yeah. Which is what you get on TV. And well, it's, uh, that's long running tradition on Star Trek. Yeah, it is. Except uh, then when you come back from commercial, Kirk's got to be putting his boots on. Yeah, exactly. No, in in this, uh, they're, they're starting to make out in the, in the low gravity thing. And I like, like, I like that because we hardly ever see low gravity in Star Trek and you know, they're in space. Yeah. We should be seeing that maybe more than we do. Mm, it's done really well too. The uh, like the low gravity sequence. It is particularly for a TV show in the early '90s. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they just did wires and then erased them, but yeah, but it looks good. No, there's a neat shot of Melora like sort of flying out of her chair. Yeah, and you mentioned been, like quite a bit. You mentioned that she did the backflip. Everyone does the backflip, and you know everyone what? always does a backflip. Yeah, well, when the gravity, if the gravity ever went off in my house, the first thing I would try is a backflip. That's just that's, that's I don't know. 
because I can't do that normally. The first thing you would do if the gravity went off in your house is put your dog somewhere safe. Well, yeah, that's probably true. No, the I'd, second thing you would do... No, I'd put the trash can where the dog couldn't float to it. <laughs> but then, yes, I would do a backflip. Or maybe I would backflip over to the dog. Ooh. But um, it, it's weird because Julian's like, well, I've never been in low gravity before. And it's like, really? You're a spaceman. Yeah. You're, you work in space. You, you went through an academy that is designed to, to train you to work in space. Like, I'm pretty sure uh, Starfleet Academy has, a, uh, has an entire course on, on zero gravity. They must. Because, like, you know, yeah. That's a big, if the gravity gets knocked off, and that's a thing that can happen if you're in combat or something. Sure. You need to be ready for that. You can't just be floating around, like, but trying to figure out how to get across the room. Not even that. We can't assume that every M-class planet has perfect Earth gravity. I mean, maybe that's what class M means. I don't know. But you can't assume that every planet you go to is going to have perfect Earth gravity. Some of yeah. them must have lower gravity. Some of them must have higher gravity. That's, yeah, just, that's, that's just the way space works. Planets yeah, are different that's sizes. The point of this and, character. Yeah. And it's weird. I mean, it's cool that we see a character that comes from that, finally. Mm-hmm. Because that's a that's a nice way to acknowledge that kind of thing, but it's mm-hmm. weird that Bashir's like I've I've never done this before. I don't know don't know how. It's just very strange. I would also point out. Uh, I mean, this is a Star Trek thing, so like you know, yeah. um, someone from a uh, planet with low grav with a uh, low gravity probably not going to look exactly like a human with a dent in her forehead. You you would think not. No, you would think. Yeah, apparently this character or a variation of this character. Like, the concept of the character was meant to be the science officer. Like, before we got Dax, when they mm-hmm. were conceptualizing the show, it was going to be this alien from a low-gravity planet that was uh, confined to a wheelchair. Yeah. That concept would have lasted two years. Well... The, and then they would have cured it. The thing is... Sort of like how they cured the doctor of being not able to touch stuff. Hmm? Oh, in, uh, in Voyager. Voyager. I, I was thinking Voyager. the doctor. Like, Doctor Who? What are you talking no, about? No, no. Oh, right. No. Sort of like how they end uh, not being stuck in sickbay. Right. No, the the thing is, if they'd made this character with this huge chip on her shoulder and also <laughs> Kira. Yeah. That would have just been unbearable. That would basically be the exact opposite of the uh, the TNG women. Yes. Where it's like, okay, strong women, good. But could you dial it back a little? I mean, it was it's, just, a, just a touch. It's nice to start Kira in a place. We've talked about this. To start Kira in a place where she's got an arc and where she does soften a little, and we've already started to see that. Yeah. But we can't have two of them at the same time. That's just, that's a bit much. That's infuriating. Mind you, we still have Dax with a death wish. Yeah. Dax is still a little too passive, I think, that's for my really case. needs to stop. Yeah. And we don't, we, we haven't fixed her yet. I know there's one particular episode this season um, with Klingons in it that doesn't really spoil much That uh, that definitely helps. But I don't know if there's others that, that help bring us the decks that we know and love. But uh, again, these two episodes helping to fix Julian. My two problems coming out of season one were Julian and Dax. Mm-hmm. And Julian feels way more like... I don't know if he feels more likable, but he feels more fleshed out and like he's not just the naive guy. Like there's more to him than that. Mm-hmm. Dax still doesn't quite feel like Dax yet, but but Julian definitely feels more like Julian to me. Yeah, no, we're getting we're getting these guys slowly but surely. And and the weird thing is, like Quark and Odo were completely in place from like the second episode. Yep. Like the the episode right after the pilot, they were they bam, they were just right there. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird. And and Cisco's pretty much Cisco now, like he always has been. 
Yep. But it, it's weird that, uh, that that these two in particular, like it's, it's weird that mostly the Starfleet guys are the ones they're having problems with. I think that's actually really interesting. I, you know, because you're taking, you know, we just had a show that was full of Starfleet guys. Right. Now we're somewhere where we don't. And it's like maybe they tried really hard to make sure that the non-Starfleet guys were so interesting yeah. that they the, let's some keep the these guys. Let's see how different we can make these guys from the TNG guys. Right. Which is cool because you got characters like Quark and Odo, and then the the secondary characters like Rom, Jake, uh, uh, Nog, Khan, Min, right, Boomhauer, uh, Little Khan. No, Con Junior. Sorry, Con Junior. Yeah, yeah. Doggy. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bone up on my naming King of the Hill characters. Really, it's like second nature to me at this point. No, because usually I just go Con Min, and you get the, you know, you you pick it yeah. up from there. Uh, so what was the, so so the the larger point is that Melora herself was just kind of irritating, and it was really hard to care about what was going on. Yeah. You even went as far as to compare her to, like, I was really surprised. Oh, yeah. This episode felt to me like the Aquiel of Deep Space Nine. Now, Aquiel is one of your most hated Next Gen episodes. Yeah, now. I don't feel like I'm not you were that say, passionate about this one. I'm not going to say it's as bad as Aquiel. Okay. But I feel like the concept is very similar. Like, in, in both cases, we have this this character that we uh, is written for us to like. Mm-hmm is written to hook up with one of our main cast. Okay. It's apparently supposed to be a reoccurring character, or at least the idea of her in this case was re- going to originally be a reoccurring character. Right. And she's just irritating. I can see that. I think I think they, they had very different problems, though. Yeah. Aquiel was just a dumb episode, and, and this one wasn't dumb. It just it felt like... Well, it went from what I read on Memory Alpha, it, it went through a bunch of drafts, mm-hmm. and it, clearly, it feels like they lost something. Yeah, it feels like the, I think the writer was trying to make her more sympathetic. My, like I said, when I was reading that the writer was disabled, it really surprised me because it was like, really, because this disabled character feels completely not sympathetic at all. It feels like yeah. the writer's bitchy ex girlfriend was disabled, <laughs> and he was trying to fucking get something off his chest and write an episode that that just, oh, isn't she terrible? Look at this terrible wheelchair lady. Terrible. <laughs> like, wow, this makes me very uncomfortable. Yep. But that, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say this is as bad as Aquiel. Aquiel was a piece of shit. Okay. This was. This is not. This is just not great. But I did notice a lot of similarities between the two. I could see that. I was just like, wow. Just because it was named after the woman that stars in them. <laughs> also, I swear to God, that's not why. Also, this actress uh, Daphne Ashbrook, I believe her name is, was the companion in the uh, Eighth Doctor's uh, TV movie. Ah, English Gav's favorite uh, Doctor Who. <laughs> Until very recently, that was uh, his only appearance was in that TV movie. Yep. Fortunately, he got he got a little more recently, but uh, yeah, was, she was just, more was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Uh, but she was the companion in that original uh, TV movie, mm-hmm. so she's one of those rare people that's been in uh, Star Trek and Doctor Who. Uh, so, what was your good thing? There must have been something. Uh yes, there was. Uh, Julian and Melora ordering dinner from the uh, Klingon restaurant. <laughs> There's my uh, my new favorite Klingon character. Now you said ever, but there's a there's a Klingon coming up who is who is a general who I think mm. you probably oh know. yeah yeah but uh, yeah I I get it. But currently I love this guy to death. He's great, just big fat sort of sloppy looking Klingon. Yep, runs a restaurant Working, like it's basically a uh, uh, Klingon uh, kiosk restaurant. Right. 
in the mall that is the promenade. And, and, which is weird. It must be called like something like Sbarro because that sort of sounds Klingon anyway. Yeah. Like but like we got Julian and uh, Melora going there for dinner and Julian's ordering off the menu. Uh, is the, is the uh, Klingon word good? Is that enough for three people, for two people? Ooh, I don't know. He gets handed this dish of, what, what did you call it? Worms and peaches. Worms and peaches, yes. <laughs> hands it to Melora. She hands it back because it's gross, because the worms are half dead. And then she argues with, actually, it's my quote, so. All right. Excuse me, Julian, I can't eat this. Uh, I know how it looks, but... The car de de la fracnal? Dugabol ratar! The tail clapabool! Pork de bol! The car del gudena! <laughs> I like a customer who knows what she wants. Apparently that bit in Klingon there is, uh, like, translates in proper Klingon. Like, they actually did the, did the work and made it... So she's like, uh, what is this? These are half dead. Yeah. What do you mean? She's like, I want to be able to see the blood. I mean, it's something something along those lines. Right. Which is cool. I like that kind of thing. Yeah, me too. I like, I don't want to learn Klingon, but I like to know that somebody who does could understand that. Yeah. I And then uh, we finish out the episode. Uh, she's dumping him for some reason. I, they're, not, they're not breaking up, but it's clear that she's never coming back. Yeah. So they are breaking up. So it's sad and everything. And then... Uh, out comes Klingon guy to play the fiddle for uh, the restaurant. It's great. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Um, yeah. So that guy and that guy's my good thing. That's that's one of the things that this show does well that we've said before is fleshing out this background stuff. Yep. And because we're in the same place every week, we know this guy's always there. Yep. Like they may he, he may never show up again. But in your head, but he's always there. Yeah, in your head now, when they say we could go to the Klingon restaurant, you think, "Oh, that guy." Yep. It just it makes it feel more like a real place, which is cool. They yeah. give they, oh. they give it like character, which is nice. I like that guy a lot. <laughs> yes, you mentioned that, sir. I want to I want to read his uh, I want to read his Peter David short story. <laughs> My good thing. Well, I always have Odo and Quark to fall back on. Yeah. There's a there's an exchange when Quark comes to Odo for help, where he's like, "This guy's trying to kill me." And, uh, oh, oh, well, that's a damn shame. Yeah. Now, there's some great Quark and Odo dialogue. Yeah. And uh, and I'm guessing the reason you didn't go for that is just because we don't want to do that every single week. We can't. It's the Picard. It's the Picard thing. Right. We can't just. We, it can't always be Quark and Odo because it's always Quark and Odo. Yeah. And I'm trying not to make them my good thing all the time. Mm -hmm. but in an episode like this where there's just not much going on and I don't care. Yep. There they had some good scenes. And mm -hmm. uh, Quark says, "Can you you know, what are you are you going to are you going to help?" He's like, "I'll do my job." Because I have to. Yeah. And then, but it's so clear that they're best friends. Yeah, there's this great there's this great shot of uh where Quark's like, "He's going to kill me." And Odo just turns around and does the Odo smile, yeah. which I'm sure I've talked about before is great. Yeah, every time he smiles is delightful. Because he never does it. Nope. And it's only when either a very, very rare, genuinely touching thing sort of breaks through his, his exterior. Yeah. Or he's being a dick. Yep. And this was definitely the latter. Oh, they're going to kill <laughs> you. Oh. Oh. Now, that said, my bad thing was that this whole Quark subplot just felt oh. sort of tacked on. Like, it didn't really have anything to do with anything until you needed the danger at the end. Yeah. Plus, the guy threatening his name. Apparently, his name is Phallic Cock. Yeah. So let's talk about phallic cock for a minute. Must we? 
I think we have to. He's got the um, – we talked about this when – I don't know if this was the race, but it was the same thing. When uh, oh no you know what it was the last time it was the grill faced aliens oh, they they've done this sort of thing on on modern Star Trek before they've done it on Next Gen they'll do it on DS9 they'll probably do it on Voyager he's got like he's got like a beak that starts at the tip of his nose and travels down in front of his mouth to attach to his chin so I mean this is one of those things where it's like well clearly God must exist because nature wouldn't do something this stupid no a, a his race like this, would have died out years ago yeah, a creature like this could not survive it, can, it literally can't eat yeah like there's a scene where he tries to eat yeah in the episode and he can't get a spoon into his mouth no, they have to they have to do some clever editing to imply like he he lifts it to his mouth then they cut to quark talking then they cut back and he's taking the spoon away again yeah. Because you, you, otherwise, it's physically impossible. <laughs> the species that evolved to eat when edi <laughs> through editing. <laughs> well, you know, natural selection is a very strange thing. Apparently. There's actually, and on Memory Alpha, the, the, uh, the producers mentioned uh, the scene where he's supposed to eat and how complicated it was and how difficult it was that makeup delivered this guy to them. Mm -hmm. like, so, do you have no control over what the aliens look like? Do you not design them? It's just like, well, I don't know, this is what makeup gave us. Makeup, you're in charge. Uh, give us an alien. Alright, fuck you. Do they have that much power? And if so, why? <laughs> if so, you come to the makeup department, do you? What is your request? <laughs> the aliens on that show look so good most of the time. Yep. Like, I can't get over that, because Next Gen, I always say, you know, they were kind of sloppy, lazy, like, bumpy-headed guys. But here they do a lot of really cool-looking, like, lizardy guys and creepy little, like, that the thing I was talking about in the previous episode, mm -hmm. that, that little thing. And yeah, just that. Come on in here. <laughs> lots of lots of vaguely unsettling aliens and, yeah. and just creepy, bizarre-looking, exotic things. Mm. And then this guy, who every time he appeared on the screen, Matt and I couldn't uh, avoid going, Caw! <laughs> The thing is, it's like I said, we have a design in place for crime for crime aliens. Yeah, that's true. There is, and I mean, like, you know what I mean when I say that. I do more or less. We've seen tons of them at this point, and we never we never get like a main character as that race. They're always yeah, sort of hench they're, guys. They're and just they're hench guys and backup and guys who threaten Quark. Right. Which, you know, you get a lot. Also, him threatening Quark. He comes in and says, I'm going to kill you. Later. Yeah. Like, really? That's... Really? Or you could just go to his quarters and shoot him. Yeah. Just... But no, it's got to be a whole thing. Yeah. It's got to be a whole to-do. we got to stretch this episode. we got to stretch this plot over the entire episode. So that way, in the final act, he can then take people hostage. Yeah. And, and Melora can save the day and realize that she wanted to be disabled all along. I don't. What? I guess that was the message. What was my, what was my last words to you as the, as the episode ended? It's just like, wait, so she doesn't. What? What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, look, I I appreciate, and and again, this is Star Trek. I don't. I won't, I won't say it's Star Trek's job, but this is a thing that Star Trek does, making you realize that you're more than your limitations and you can overcome them, and that you're really special. You could you could do an episode like that. Mm -hmm. You could absolutely do an episode like that, and and I know it's in these writers to do that, but in this case, it felt like what makes me special is my limitations. Yeah, that I just, can't walk, and that makes me good. Like that doesn't what? work. It doesn't make sense to me. No, and the whole thing is she loses the like being able to fly around at the end of the day for fun. Yeah, 
Like, uh, okay. Well, I mean, if you wanted to fly around all the time, you should have stayed on your planet. Like, I don't know what to tell you, lady. Yeah, if you want to join Starfleet, which is obviously very human-centric, and, and again, more racist than they care to admit. Uh-huh. Because everything's geared toward us. Yep. Then you're going to have to, you know, live with that and, and get the chip off your shoulder, because that's just how things are. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is terrible. Like, I it, it Starfleet is completely biased toward... Normal Earth gravity, oxygen breathing, you know, bipeds. Yeah. If you're anything other than that, we can make special accommodations, I guess, but yeah. we don't like to. You still got to work for it. I mean, it's probably better that you just do what we want. Right. Which, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know what... I mean, it's a TV show, and, and it's got a budget, and you have to, you know, whatever. But yeah. still, I don't know. Um, the um th- this character goes on to be one of the main characters in the uh, the Titan books. Is is she toned down a bit? They actually she's got a lab and quarters that are all z- like that are all kept zero G because it's her lab. Okay, that's cool. Which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, rest of the time though, you gotta <laughs> the rest of the time you're in the wheelchair. But I mean, is she is she still bitchy about the wheelchair? Ah. Okay. See, in a book, I'd put her in like a special space suit or something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about a budget. You can just invent some kind of crazy sci-fi thing to make it okay. Yeah. And they wanted to give her, like, an exoskeleton, and they just sort of half-heartedly put some metal on her. Yeah. And it just looked like horrible leg braces that must be terrible and painful. Mm-hmm. Which I guess was the point. But, y- you know, like, there's there's got to be a way, like, a, a cool sci-fi way to make her, you know, comfortable. Give her a load lifter like an Aliens. How would that help? It would be awesome. Well, yeah. Well, any kind of robot suit would be awesome. Give her a, mm-hmm. you know, give her a, a Jaeger. A single pilot Jaeger. <laughs> then she can grab a, then she can grab a phallic cock and throw him across the room and tell him to get away from her, you bitch. Yes, exactly. And the her could be Dax. Phallic cock. Phallic cock. Uh, did, that, did that not sound like that? As soon as I, as soon as they mentioned his name for the first time, I was like, well, phallic cock. Yep. Let me uh let me just see how they actually spell it on Memory Alpha. It's it's not this it's like phallum cod or something. No, it's no, sorry. It's phallic cock. Yeah, afraid so. Uh that's basically all I had. Let me just see here. Oh, uh Julian said that before he became a doctor he was going to be a tennis pro. Well, that seems about right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just picture him in the in the shorts, maybe even the headband. Tennis, anyone? Who <laughs> wants to play some tennis with me? Oh, balls! I'm not good at tennis. I went to Wimbledon. <laughs> Wimbledon. And it fell on my bum. <laughs> oh, Julian. That's uh, but that's pretty much all I had. Yeah, I, I think was... uh, I think we're good to go. Melora's a jerk. That's what you need to walk away from. Uh... Yep, Melora's a jerk, Klingon chef, awesome. Yep, and uh, Odo smiles. Yep. It's like, normally I don't have a lot of notes because uh, if the episode's really good, because I'm, you know, watching it. Yeah, and you don't just want to put down, yes, this is great, yes. Yeah, we've seen those notes, I've done them before. Yeah, but um, But uh, in this case, I don't have a whole lot of notes because uh, this episode was boring and lame. Yeah, and see, that's the problem with a lot of Star Trek, and I think that's the problem we're going to find when we get into the later series, mm-hmm. is that they're not bad, they're just boring. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a good conflict, if you don't have an interesting thing happening, if you just have, you know, 
characters sort of wandering around, not doing anything, or doing the same crap they do every week. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not that interesting. And uh, unfortunately, this, this falls into that category. Yeah. That said, Klingon Chef. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> Does he have a name? Do they give him a name? I'm just going to call him Klingon Chef and imagine that whenever anyone comes into his restaurant, he goes up and goes, Hello there, children. <laughs> hey, Klingon Chef. Let me sing you a little Klingon song. <laughs> Might clear things up. See, now I want to see him wearing one of those big hats. Right? Like a, like a proper chef. How great would that be? Fairly great. Yeah. See, when you say the Klingon Chef, I think the Swedish chef only Klingon. Nope. Singing, you know, Park Chef. singing Bork, 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 and so forth. I'm going to make love to you, woman. <laughs> all right. So that's all for this week. Next week, we have more episodes. I thought I'd have to listen to about. No, I, I don't know them by title is the thing. It'll be like, yeah. oh, I know. That's the one where, and I don't want to say that yet. Yeah. Because we haven't gotten there yet. And some people are following along with us and maybe wouldn't appreciate the spoilers. Next week, our pal Nathan will be with us. That'll be yep. fun. Always a pleasure. Um, the usual stuff. Uh, the website is postatomichorror.com. Our Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. Uh, we have shirts available if you'd like a shirt. They're very cool shirts. They're very cool shirts. There's the uh, Odo Screaming Quark shirt. There's the I Heart uh, Armus Pa shirt, both done by our pal Gregory Dickens. Great stuff. Uh, by those, he gets a cut. Uh and that is that. So we'll be back next week. Until then, see you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs> <laughs>